0: All right. Hello and welcome to the Planet Bio podcast and Startup Office Hours, uh, where we're really excited to have conversations at the intersection of biology and digital. Uh, the usual brief disclaimer, Planet Bio and the podcast are not affiliated with any organizations or institutions. Any views expressed are those of who express them. And this is a recorded session, so just keep that in mind if, if you would not like to Uh, be recorded, then, you know, please don't speak up if if you're here joining us today. Wonderful. So today we have myself and Alexa Goldman, and then joined by our special guest, Helena Mystery. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Awesome. To get started, Helena, thanks so much for joining us. Would you be able to provide us with an intro of uh, where you are now and how you got there?
1: Yeah, I i like to say that I'm a scientist that went into business development. So a little bit about my background is that I did my PhD in pharmacology. I'm originally from Canada, so I did it at the University of Toronto. At the end of my PhD, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I came to Boston uh, almost 12 years ago to postdoc at the Dana-Farber Cancer Center. I was really in a rockstar lab, uh, kind of when you're a grad student reading papers from those big labs and you think to yourself, I would really love to be there one day. So that's what really brought me to Boston quite a while ago. I was a postdoc for three and a half years. My project at Dana-Farber was really translational, kind of doing this free IND workup. And I published a first author paper in three and a half years. Being in the Boston-Cambridge area is just so exciting. There's lots of great science, especially in industry. It's really a hub here. And that's how I got really interested in joining industry. And so after I finished or I published my first author paper, I went off into industry here in the area where I am. And it was really an entrepreneurial role, the first role that I had. I worked for a small startup. And I was the application scientist in the startup. And so being the application scientist kind of gave me a foot into business development where I was half technical, half forward facing. And I had never had a role like that before. I was always you know, deep within a lab, very technical, behind a closed door, in a microscope room for an entire day sometimes. And so that experience helped me understand that I really liked being forward-facing. I really liked talking to other scientists and kind of pushing the business. So after that, uh, I went on to join a very big company, a large CRO, at the time 18,000 employees. So I went from a small startup to the other extreme, a really big company that was publicly traded. And that gave me really a feel for how to do business development Um, I, at the end of my first gig, the small startup, I thought like I could either go back onto the bench or I could continue in the forward-facing role, and I decided to continue in a forward-facing role. So I went on to work for a big company, which was a great experience, and since then I have gone on to work for two other startups, um, not quite as small as the first startup, and really enjoyed kind of having or wearing many different hats. And pushing the business while leveraging my science
0: experience. That's so cool. Thanks so much for for going through that with us. And welcome to everyone who's uh, joining us. Uh, Again, just a quick reminder, you know, this is a recorded session. So if you'd like to not be recorded, um, you know, no, you don't need to uh, (laughs) speak up. Otherwise, you know, uh, if you'd like to ask a question in the chat window on the side, please do. Otherwise, um, you can also request us to speak and we'll take you off mute. Helena, I'd love to to understand a little more of, you know, how was that transition from academia into the startup world? I mean, that was probably a pretty big, <laughs>
1: pretty yeah, big Yeah, it's a huge transition, and it's a fun transition for me. I really like the startup world. I think in academia, um, well, before I made the transition, I had kind of a career mentor here in the Cambridge area. That told me it would take about a year to really make that transition mentally and to really think like a startup industry person. And I didn't believe her at the time. I thought that was a really long time. And I I think that is about accurate. Uh, When you're in academia, you're so focused on publishing papers, writing grants, getting funding, and you're selling your science, which is a really great skill to have. But you're just You're so focused on doing really cool science that really interests you. And then when you're in a startup, you're doing something innovative, you're iterating, you're failing fast, as lots of people say. And you've got to really have this thick skin where you just keep getting up and you keep going. Uh, But there really is like a, a profit side to the business that you have to think about which I think when you're in academia, it is really the same thing. I mean, you're trying to go out and get funding, but it's just different. The way that you think, the way that you phrase things, being in a company, um, and then being in a small, smaller startup or even, you know, I've been in a startup where it's 10 people, where it's 20 people. In, in my last role, I didn't learn it was 55 people, uh, but it's just – Quite a different environment where you have to wear many hats, you have to roll up your sleeves, you have to be able to iterate, you have to be able to fall down, you have to keep going, and you have to constantly communicate outwardly.
0: Thanks so much for for uh, digging into that with us. I, I really I, I like that advice. Right? So you know it takes a year. I think in, in my experience getting into to industry, um, it, it felt that way as well. I I guess you know for folks who are listening. And are thinking about making that transition from academia into startups. Uh, any advice uh, in getting ahead of that curve and maybe shortening <laughs> that yeah. time? Yeah. Well, transition? in my
1: first role, you know, I was really naive and I jumped in and I learned a lot in that role. Uh, but when that role ended, what I found is I became kind of jack of all trades, master of none. And that's why I went on to work for a large company after that, because I really wanted to have some direction and to work in a company where everything just runs, that, you know, it's been around a long time, you have a question, somebody has an answer, and that answer is usually correct. And so that's why I went on to join a large company afterwards, and really gain those stripes. To this day, when I do work, I think about when I was at that larger company and I think about how we did things and it helps me um, you know, in my day-to-day role. So I, I think that made me more efficient. So the advice that I would give is, you know, I think tech transfer offices are a great place to start uh for academics like postdocs who want to get more into business development. I also think uh, just have that in mind. There's nothing wrong with joining a startup off the bat, but it is also great to go and join like a larger company, get some more direction, understand how it is to work in those bigger corporations, and then kind of gain those stripes, and then you can go off and and do wilder, crazier things in a smaller company.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much. And we do have a, a question here in the chat from. Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. So Helena, you know, given your experience in the science side and on the business side, the question is, can you speak to some effective strategies for building customer relationships with big pharma companies? And can you provide uh, any examples?
1: Yeah, selling into big pharma. Um, as an example, at Unlearn, we created large partnerships with midsize and large pharma. Selling into large pharma uh, can be quite challenging. Uh, There are lots of players uh, at stake. It's unclear sometimes who the decision maker is. When you think you have or you know who the decision maker is and you're moving forward, uh, sometimes these deals, they can get nixed last minute because there's someone higher up for some reason has made some kind of decision to change whatever was the initiative within the company and deal cycles can be quite long they can be six months 12 months they can be over a year so you have to be quite persistent and i have found in in large pharma it's not always the case but sometimes you know they want to start off slow and give you like a smaller deal and then see how your team performs and take that information back in-house and then decide to give you a large, larger kind of opportunity to work together. Also, when it comes to large pharma, you know, oftentimes, especially in the Boston-Cambridge area, a lot of folks know each other, so warm introductions really help. Leveraging your science background really helps. I think that sometimes scientists can think that you're a salesperson, and there can be a negative connotation with that. And so being a scientist and being able to speak their language and leverage that can really help. The last piece of advice I would give is that generally salespeople, you know, in business development, means many things. You know, it's a broad umbrella of what that really means. So when I was at Unlearn, I was creating large partnerships with pharma. And sometimes salespeople, they just talk a lot. And so listening to your potential customer is really important. Just let them talk. You will learn a lot while also pushing the business. And that's really a a fine art. And also not being such a scientist. I think there's a book written on this, like Stop Being Such a Scientist, where unlike in academia, when you give a talk, you can get into quite a scientific discussion that can look heated or look tense, and that's normal. And no one takes it personally. But in these types of roles, you're not trying to show someone more and more data and try to convince them that they're wrong and they should buy your solution. At the end of the day, scientists are people too. They tend to be emotional beings. You're trying to understand their problem, empathize with them, and provide a solution that is going to make their life easier, is exciting scientifically, is going to get drugs to patients. And you have to really remember that. And so you're not trying to win a scientific battle.
0: Thanks so much, Helena. And we actually had a follow-up question from the chat as well. So who are uh, some of the stakeholders and, and what types of stakeholders should we be aware of?
1: It depends on, on your technology, and you have to really look at the titles of people. Uh, so, when I was at and learn, really selling into clinical development, the clinical development team, medical directors, oftentimes, ops would be in calls, regulatory would be in calls. If it were a smaller company, the CSO would be on calls. Um, and it's really understanding the titles of the folks, what the problem is who is the decision maker. I think there's a, a Miller Hyman approach where you talk about coaches, influencers, economic buyers, technical buyers, and they list all the different kind of personalities that exist and it's a really good sales method to breed and understand because I think it really is true. And you have to kind of not get friend zoned if that makes any sense. Sometimes folks are really friendly, you may have a lot in common, um, you may be both very passionate about the science, but a deal is not going forward. So you have to not get friend zone, push the business, know when to let go. I find a lot of sales or business development folks, they make mistakes where they're trying to evangelize someone. Um, you know, if you don't have the same views on life, it's not worth it it's not worth trying to evangelize someone. So know when to drop an opportunity. Um, This is not going anywhere and to look for other lower bearing fruit. So it's quite an art and a skill set.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely uh, a balance there. Wonderful. I I have some questions on mine. But first, Alexa, any questions you'd like to ask?
1: Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, first off, I, I love the advice to not get friend zoned. Um, I totally agree. I think uh, the deals that you don't make can be as important as the deals that you do make, and knowing when to let go is so important. Um, so, Helena, throughout your career, you've been at different size companies. Um, you know, you spoke to really liking that forward facing role, and as in BD, you really have to have a pulse on what's going on. I'm curious what's most exciting to you about your work? What's driving you? um, What's really um, in your day-to-day most exciting? And throughout your career, what's kind of been that driving factor? So that's that's a great question. I am a scientist really at heart. So I do this because I love the science. And I think that there are a lot of great startup companies with really exciting science. And if you can take that science and apply it, you know, make partnerships with small, large, mid-sized pharma, and they can use that technology to, like, add and learn, speed up a clinical trial, shave off part of the control. Because oftentimes in diseases like ALS, being in the control, randomized into the control in a pivotal trial is a death sentence. So if you can do that and push more patients into the treated arm and have a more patient-centric trial, or when I was at Imica, the company before Unlearn, uh, we were developing novel markers, biomarkers for neuroinflammation that were based on imaging, and there really is a need. Uh, There isn't really a great way to look at neuroinflammation. So I found those technologies very exciting, and I couldn't understand why Pharma was not using them today because I'm a really impatient person. And I think if the tech makes sense, then we should just go out and use it because we can get drugs to patients faster. We can save lives and all that good stuff. And so I thought I, I'm i a bit of a ninja because I can get deep into the technical weeds. As an example, when I was at Imica, I was not a neuro person and I fell into neuro. And I was unsure about, would I be able to talk to neuroscientists? But because I have a technical background, I would read papers, and I would just get it. And I would talk to scientists, and I'd be able to speak their language, I would understand the pain points, and then I would be able to go back and iterate on the sales decks accordingly. And so by being that ninja, I, I think that I can push new technologies into biopharma, pharmaceutical, biotech companies, and have them use it to run modern-day trials uh, and get, you know, drugs to patients faster, which is what we need and which, which will save lives. So one day, I still think I'm somewhat young. I would like to look back and think that I didn't make a difference, as corny as that sounds.
0: That sounds awesome. Yeah. That's that's such a a great reason to to do it. Wonderful. Uh we we are, you know, getting a little close to the end of time. So if anyone has any additional questions, feel free to throw it in the chat window. Helena, I'd love to dig a bit more into this, you know, cross section of of business and science. Um what types of challenges has you Have you faced having kind of a foot in each camp there as far as the business and science side go? And then what uh, what ways have you overcome those challenges?
1: I really love that question. I, I think the challenges that I've faced and how they've gotten better is um, that I'm a mom and I have three kids that are two, four, and six. So there's quite a lot going on in the household. Uh, and... I have faced challenges where I'm giving a pitch and I have the kids in the back and they'll just go rogue um, and I, they will have promised me that they're going to give me half an hour or I have like a customer facing call and one kid who's like two years old will just go rogue and enter that call and it'll be utterly embarrassing. Uh, so these are challenges that I face and you've just got to keep going. You've just got to go with it and just continue on with the sale. And one of the small positive aspects of having COVID or the pandemic has been that folks have become very empathetic towards that. We kind of parent out loud, our personal lives invade our professional lives, and, and folks seem to be cool with it. Um, and I think that's, you know, amongst many challenges of trying to balance everything in work life. You know, work-life balance, parenting, having kids, having things go wrong. I think that's been one of the main challenges, and a small benefit to the pandemic.
0: That's that's awesome, yeah, um, and, and definitely, you know, as as you said, right, a big part of of all of our lives and our, our working lives. Um, cool. So we are getting near the end of time here. Any final advice you have for folks that are listening? Uh, Maybe thinking about getting into the startup world or maybe thinking about going from the science side to the business side?
1: Uh, Any advice? I, I would tell people to try it if they think they're really interested. There's no harm in trying a role. And then if it doesn't work out for you, I think if you have a really strong science background, you can easily go back onto a technical role like on the bench. I mean, you have one life to live. So that's always my advice to folks. I think um, I wanted to mention, we talk a lot about careers, but we're not, you know, one dimensional folks. Like I mentioned, I do have a family. Being in a lab is very difficult when you have little kids. And one of the nice aspects about BD is it gives you a chance to kind of have a career and also have, you know, a personal life because you can, there's a lot of remote work. There's a lot of flexibility in the scheduling. Um, and I think that's really nice, especially for women. And it also, when you do do a deal with a company, it is very exciting, and it gives you kind of a headway into the company. Like, there's something that you can point to that has impacted the company quite a bit, especially startups, because every deal that gets done really can make or break a startup. And it's just rewarding to be able to say, I created this partnership with X company. They used the technology. It resulted in X, Y, and Z to benefiting patients. And that has been really rewarding to me. So if that excites you, I would suggest people give it a try.
0: Thanks so much. That's, that's really in, insightful and I think really helpful advice for, for everyone who's listening. Well, thanks again, Helena, for joining us. This was wonderful. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners who joined us today to, to ask questions in the chat window. And thank you for, for joining us. We, that does it for today. We'll see you next time.